Thanks for listening to the Lovejoy United podcast from Lovejoy United Presbyterian Church in Wood River, Illinois. We are a welcoming community of faithful disciples committed to filling Christ's example, joyfully serving through compassion, mission, justice, and all-inclusive grace. To learn more, go to our website, lovejoyupc.org. Our gospel reading today comes from Matthew's gospel, the 21st chapter. Do what the Spirit is saying to the church. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to Jesus, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people that produce the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded Jesus as a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I woke up early last Tuesday morning to a sound that I did not want to hear, and it wasn't my alarm clock, as somebody asked at our Wednesday morning Bible school, Bible study. It was the chainsaw and a big thud right out in front of my apartment. So I got out of bed early. I looked out my front windows thinking that something looked different, like when you wonder if your spouse has gotten a haircut and you don't know if you should say anything or not. But then it hit me, the big, beautiful tree that you all have gotten used to seeing behind me, the one that the windows frame perfectly like a panoramic picture, the one that was just starting to burst into beautiful fall colors was gone, chopped down with no warning at all. It's just gone. I was absolutely livid, livid. That tree was one of my favorite things about my home. It was beautiful, 
It brought shade in the afternoon when there was too much sunlight. And so I sent kind of a curt, not rude, but curt email to the city forest manager asking about my tree and who gave whom permission to cut it down. And you better believe I signed that email, the Reverend Daniel H. Irvin. The next morning I got an email back. Evidently the water company said they noticed the tree wasn't healthy when they were fixing a water main nearby. Code words for the tree was in our way, I was sure about it. And I carried that bitterness around with me all day long. I shared it with many of you. And I thought a lot about how I would respond to that email to get my point across. Don't cut down my tree. But when I got home from work, I looked down at the stump and sure enough, the whole inner core of the tree was black with rot. And I sure am glad I didn't send that email that I wanted to send. It's painful sometimes to face reality, to hear that something is not as good or perfect or as healthy as you want to believe it is. It is so painful sometimes that we often deny that reality and even convince ourselves along with others that the truth simply cannot be true, even when it hurts us in the long run. As I continued to think and fume over my poor tree outside, I finally realized that given more time to rot, that tree could have fallen on my car or me or on one of my neighbors someday if nobody had noticed that it was dying. It was painful to acknowledge, and I didn't want to acknowledge it, but it was true. In our gospel passage today, we enter into a time of extreme conflict and debate between Jesus and the religious leaders. Jesus comes to confront them with the honest to God truth about themselves. And this confrontation is ultimately what will get Jesus killed in a few days. He rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, greeted with palm branches, and then he brings judgment upon the temple, turning over its tables, criticizing how comfortable the religious leaders are with the Roman government. He lambasts the way the poor are being taken advantage of in the name of God. This parable Jesus tells his opponents is a way of getting them to look at themselves more deeply and more honestly. Not just to see the outward beauty and piety of their faith, like the outer bark and leaves on my tree, but to see what was really on the inside. Jesus tells the story of a master who plants a vineyard and invites workers to come and tend to it while he is away. By all accounts, they're good farmers. They produce some fruit. But here's the kicker. Every time the landowner sends someone home to collect the fruit, the tenants in the vineyard stone or kill the one the landowner has sent. Even when the landowner sends his only son, they kill him so that they can keep the fruit for themselves. The religious leaders that Jesus is talking to go along with the story until Jesus flat out tells them that they, in fact, are the wicked tenants. They are the ones God has invited to steward the vineyard. 
And despite the outward appearance of producing fruit, on the inside they are producing fruit not for God's sake or for the sake of God's people, but for themselves. They are the ones who are rotten on the inside, even if they don't want to confront that reality. Now, there have been centuries of Christians and preachers and theologians who have used passages like this one to claim that Jesus came to replace the Jews who were not producing fruit. But the text is very clear here. Jesus is not criticizing the Jews, but rather these specific religious leaders whose actions and words are not in agreement with one another. They were talking about justice and righteousness, but doing exact the opposite in their actions. To say that Jesus came to confront all the Jews is not only dangerous because it harms our faithful Jewish friends, but it ultimately harms us because it lets us off the hook from our own hypocrisy. Remember, that tree could have fallen on me one day if nobody had called me out on it and called out that tree. We too, faithful as we may want to be or to seem, we are capable ourselves of being Christian and yet living in a way that doesn't resemble Jesus at all. Our bark, our leaves can be beautiful, even the fruit can be beautiful. But on the inside, we may be rotten to our core. So before we say that this parable is about somebody else, let's acknowledge that this parable may well be meant for me and for you. Maybe God has given us stewardship of this vineyard. Maybe this vineyard is the kingdom of God, and God has given us all the tools that we need in order to tend and further that kingdom, to bring about the reign of God. And maybe this parable is pointing out that we live in a culture and a society that tells us that it's okay to keep all the fruit for ourselves, that it's okay when even when we want the best for God's kingdom, we lie and steal and cheat in order to get there. Jesus invites us to face ourselves honestly what is within us, so that we can strive to be people whose inner core match up with our outward faith, where not just our words line up with Jesus, but also the goals we have for our lives and the intentions and the methods we're going to use to reach those goals, where all of those things line up with Jesus too. I talked a moment ago to the children about the law of God given to Moses in the Ten Commandments. These laws that order our lives and our community give us a template for how God desires us to live together. The Ten Commandments are not just about empty morals as if we just need to follow these things and be okay. They're actually very practical laws. If we follow these laws, it's possible to live in beautiful and loving community together. If we follow these laws, they enable us to live in the vineyard where everybody flourishes and not just a few. Jesus summarizes 
these laws with the two laws. And when you really boil them down, there's just one law. And that law is to love, to love, to love God and love neighbor. And perhaps love is how we're called to judge the fruitfulness of our own lives and how we produce that fruit. Do our words to our family, even our words to our neighbors, even to our enemies, do they demonstrate love, love for God and love for neighbor and love for enemy? Do our votes lead to policies where love is shown for God and for neighbor? Do our work as teachers or nurses or volunteers show love for God and neighbor? These are the questions we ask ourselves to see what is in the core of our actions. And when we hear the voice of God in scripture or in a friend or in a parable or in the stump of a rotten tree, do we allow God to call us out on our hypocrisy? To show us that our insides are not matching our outsides or that our outsides are not matching our insides? Do we allow God to confront us with the truth so that we can become better stewards, so that we can produce the fruit of God's kingdom? That's what the vineyard is all about, right? It's about producing fruit, fruit, not for ourselves, but for God, God's purposes. They will know that we are Christians by our love. I pray that yes, our whole lives can be seamless expressions of love from the very center to the very outside, in the ways that we act, in the ways that we affect those around us. May God grant us the humility to see ourselves truly and give us the courage to change, to be in line with Christ and his love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you now to join with me as we say. Thanks for listening. Remember, love God, love neighbor, love joy.